extend a welcome to you this morning in the precious name of Jesus, the one whom gives us the ability to love in all relationships and showed us how to do it, demonstrated it, and uh, it's a challenge to me to emulate that love and allow him to emulate that love in my life, in my relationships. This morning I'd like to talk about uh, detours. I was uh, tempted, if I have been here earlier, I was tempted to pull this stand across the pulpit here to give whoever had to come up here, and I debated taking a detour myself to get to the pulpit. But you know, our, our, our logic, our mind says, okay, from point A to B, the shortest distance, that's the way we, that's the way we want to go. We just do it that way. That's, we're programmed that way. I don't know if it's American way. I don't know if it's the Mennonite way. But that's just the way we think. Typically. From A to B, that's where, that's how we want to do it. But, uh, from the cradle to the grave, it's not always quite like that. We encounter detours and as we're out on the highway today, uh, there's detours and, uh, Seems like there's an overabundance of them in Dodge County. I don't know if you've been through Casson or Dodge Center. Uh, Lynn's had somewhat of a detour at the end of his driveway all summer. And, uh, the other night we were coming, hmm, we were coming to Paramedia and going to Claremont. I'm not sure which, but they weren't letting us through. I wanted to go straight through and she was pointing that way into town. Well, that was the exact opposite way I wanted to go. And so I did a loopy and headed back up to the gravel and headed west. Uh, again, it was my mind process. Okay, I'll put up with a little gravel and dust and, and get there quicker rather than going the way she was directing. But, uh, you know, we see that orange sign and that arrow pointing and we know we're, 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 our, our plans are changed. We're uh, into a detour. I guess one of my memories of uh, one of the most fascinating detours was, and I, I'm thinking... We were going to Canada, and I think it might have been fellowship meetings. I'm not 100% sure. But we were crossing at, at Detroit, and uh, we could see the bridge to get across into Canada. And we followed the detour signs, and finally the bridge kept getting further and further away. And we knew we had to cross that bridge to get into Canada. And uh, we thought we were following the detour signs, and we weren't getting where we wanted to go. And I think this happened about two or three times. And finally we got close enough, further enough, far enough along, that finally there was a sign that said, Quit following your GPS and just follow the detour signs. And I don't remember if we had a GPS then or not. I don't remember that. But evidently there had been a problem with that uh, issue. And so they had posted a sign that, okay, follow the detour signs. And uh, rather than the GPS that's directing you where you think you want to go. But uh, just last weekend, coming home from the uh, visitation there at Hayward, we... Uh, encountered a detour. Actually, I was following my GPS on the way over. been a long time since I've been to Hayward, but thought I knew the way. And so on the way over, I went up 63 and we jumped across on 70 to 27. Well, partway across there, my GPS told me to jump on County AA, I believe it is. And so I, I listened. I went that way. Well, unknown to me on my way back through coming home, I thought, well, you know, this, I'm not going to worry about it, AA County. I'm going to come down to 27 and and jump across on 70 like I've done for years. And while I was nowhere in there a couple miles until I came to a detour sign, and 70 had, I don't know if my GPS knew that or not, but I would have been better off probably following my GPS on the way back rather than, because uh, the detours took me down south further and then brought me across, and then I had to come back up again. I suppose I could have kept going south, but I was, I wanted to go south, but I was going north. And uh, detours do that to us. We end up going the wrong direction. 
Detours typically are not a shortcut, and it usually adds time to our travel. And oftentimes, to those that are encountering them, it, it emits, we emit a moan from those that are affected. Well, there are some good things. There's different scenery, uh, different road types, different traffic, different people we may encounter, uh, and et cetera. It could go on. Uh, sometimes it involves, detours involve stopping completely. And uh, you could talk about the reasons for detour, and I suppose they would be multiple. Uh, we know that we live in a world that's failing. We live in a culture. We live in a, that's permanent. Everything takes maintenance. Our Christian lives take maintenance. The roads we travel need maintenance. Maybe we need to slow down just a little bit. Maybe we need to take a little different detour so we get a little different scenery to adjust our thinking that, okay, maybe the most important thing isn't from A to B. Maybe it's what happens to me. That was my thinking process. Talking about the differences that you encounter, I was talking with friends. They were uh, actually, I think this was, I'm trying to think what the reason for the detour was. I don't know if I remember. 8090, I think it was closed, and they were, so they were dropping them down on 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 US 30. All the 8090 traffic on US 30. Can you imagine that? And he said bumper to bumper traffic, and you know there was turnings and and red lights, and uh, I don't remember if it was an accident. So you know sometimes there are tragedies, sometimes there's accidents that cause detours. But uh, this morning I want to think about it from a spiritual perspective. I want to think about. First thing I want to think about is detours on our spiritual journey. And I invite you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, this is a 40-year detour. Now, that's the extreme, right? A 40-year detour. Uh, I've had a 44-year detour here in Minnesota. Uh, although, I guess I wouldn't necessarily say that's a detour. But I've been here for 40, about 44 years coming next month. But... I was, I was challenged as I thought about that in the, in the relation to the children of Israel's experience. You know, 40 years wandering in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 7 says, Turn you and take your journey and go to the mount of the Amorites and unto all the places nigh thereunto in the plain, in the hills and on the vale and in the south, and by the seaside to the land of the Canaanites and, the, and unto Lebanon and unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Turn and take your journey. And then just dropping down to verse 24, this is uh, Moses here talking to the uh, children of Israel. And they turned and went up into the mountain and came unto the valley of Eshcol and searched it out. This is when they were coming up to the promised land, to the land of Canaan that God had, had wanted them to go to and had promised to them. And uh, here is where they had sent the 12 men. They had talked about it. Okay, how are we going to process this? How are we going to bring this to pass? And it seemed like a good idea to send the 12 spies in and search out the land and decide what the route is going to be, what the way of conquest is going to be. But they had forgot about their faith in God. And as they faced and as they encountered, as they transpassed, as they uh, transversed the land and looked at its beauty and its grandeur and all that, their their faith began to falter. And uh, and they turned and went up into the mountain and came unto the valley of Eshcol and searched it out. And dropping down to verse 40, But as for you, turn you and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And here's the detour. That's when the detour sign came up. God said, you're not ready to go into the land of Canaan because of your lack of faith. And so he posted a detour sign. He said, you're going you're gonna to have to go into the land of, you're going to have to go into the wilderness 
and that faith is going to have to grow. And uh, and so they turned. They didn't have a choice. They actually attempted to go into the land and and, and by their own strength and were beaten horribly back. And uh, in verse 40, But as for you, you turn and take your journey into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. Dropping down to chapter 2, verse 1, Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spake unto me, and we compassed Mount Seir for many days. And then dropping down to verse 24 in chapter 2, Rise up, rise ye up, take your journey, and pass over the river Aaron before, and behold, and I have given into thine hand Shion, the Amorite, the king of Heshbon, and in and his land, begin to possess it and contend with him in battle. So we see the journey that the children of Israel were encountering and the detours that they face because of their lack of faith. God is, is very much interested in you and I's personal journey through life. Uh, just as he was this group of people, the children of Israel. And I think it's important that we be sure to include him in that journey. Whether it involves detours is something that I think we need to, we need to look at ourselves carefully. That I believe in, in God's plan. He allowed it to happen. But uh, God was gracious to them for 40 years. That was a sacrifice on God's part, part, providing the manna, providing the water. There's something, someone has suggested, uh, given a thought in relation to that, and I want to repeat it here. It says, remember, God is interested more in your character growth. I thought, and I'm not sure who to give credit to that, uh, for that thought. But remember that God is more interested in your character growth rather than your arrival time. And as I started out talking, you know, we get focused on arrival time. We want to get there, and we want to get there now. We want to get there speedily, and we want it to happen. God is more interested in what happens between and the development of our character, whether we're growing in his image, whether we're being what God wants us to be. Detours will often build character spiritually if we're honest about it. We may fret, we may fume, but detours do build character. So remember to include God in your journey from A to B. And if it involves detours, remember to consult him. God, what am I to learn from this experience? What is there for me to learn? And there may be times we take when we're all said and done, we may not know at the time exactly what happened. But, you know, I think things can be pretty subtle in our spiritual development. It isn't until it's past many times that we realize what has happened to ourselves, not in our own strength, but because we've learned to rely on God. Just to, to reiterate what the uh, experience was of the children of Israel here, I want to just back up to Deuteronomy chapter 1 and read verses 29 through 33. Then I said, verse 29 of chapter 1, Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bear thee as a man doth bear his son in all the way that we went until ye came into this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search you out a place to pitch your tents in the fire by night to show you by what way you should go and in the cloud by day. And the Lord heard the voice of your words of his wrath and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear unto you to give to your fathers. 
And then he goes on to talk about Josh and Caleb, you know, delivered the two out of the twelve that gave a good report. And I think in this example here of the children of Israel, the peer pressure, the power of influence, the strength of encouragement, what we were talking about in our Sunday school lesson this morning, that of having a relationship. So that when we do face detours, that we are there for encouragement purposes. And the question I had to ask myself, you know, am I a Caleb or a Joshua in the detours of life? Or am I one of the doubtful ten? Um, question to ask yourself. Where is, remember to take along on that journey of life, trust and faith. And when you face the detours of life, that trust and faith will sustain you. When your journey, when the road gets rough, when the traffic gets thick, when the red lights are more than they ought to be. And we realize time is getting away and our schedule is getting tighter and tighter. That faith and trust that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, in God who has planned our lives, brought us for a purpose, for a reason, and has put us on this road, on this journey, for his honor and for his glory. It's not about me. It's not about my schedule. It's about God. I need to be reminded of that. And he is the one who controls the detours in most cases. Here, the children of Israel were somewhat responsible because of their lack of faith. The second example, I wanted to look at three examples here, and then I want to look at some personal uh, things in the fourth point here. But the first example here was the children of Israel. The second one is is Moses as an example. And turn to the book of uh, Exodus chapter 2. Moses is one of the greatest men that uh, that lived and follower of God and leader. You know, we can always learn things from Moses. And Moses encountered some detours in his walk with the Lord. Uh, Exodus chapter 2. I want to read verses 10 through 21. This is coming into Moses' life here after Pharaoh had decreed that all the Hebrew babies should be destroyed. And uh, we know the story how that uh, Moses was hid in a in the bulrushes there in the Nile River and I was starting to get a little distracted about all the alligators and and uh, that were, could have ate Moses. You know, God provided him. I don't know if you saw in the news the lady that fell in the little lagoon in Florida that two alligators got her, 60-some years old. You know, and, you know, I think of the Nile River and here's a little baby in a basket. You know, what's the likelihood of him surviving? But, you know, our God is a, is a magnificent God and he knows where each one of us are. And he knows what he, what the purpose is for your life. And God had a distinct purpose here for Moses. Well, uh, beginning at verse 10, And the child grew, talking about Moses, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens and spied and he an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? Thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me, as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of of Midian. And he sat down by a well. 
Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to rule their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Siphor his daughter. Well, interesting little detour there uh, for Moses. He was, uh, first of all, he was had the detour out of the Nile, into the Nile River, and then rescued from the Nile River, and then to the the uh, palace of Pharaoh. And uh, so that's where he was when he received this other, the next detour into the uh, land of Midian. So he's had quite a few detours there, but... Uh, this detour into the land of Midian, I believe, was a real t- character changer for Moses. It had purpose. God preserved him in the Nile. God preserved him there as he fled from the face of Pharaoh. And uh, he met his wife, father-in-law. I, I was challenged as I, I read through that there, you know, Moses and uh, his encounter there with the uh, the daughters of uh, the priest of Midian there. It says the shepherds came, verse 17, and he, and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them. And he was, he seemed like a man that, that recognized the need and was willing to apply himself and commit himself to meet, have that need taken care of. I, I don't know how many gallons of water it would have taken to, to order them flocks, but uh, I imagine it probably wasn't a small task, but uh, I was challenged and I thought of the commitment. Tell us something about Moses' character. Tell us something about his commitment in, in rising to the, the occasion of the need that was there before him. And then we see verse 21. It says he was content. And uh, I had to ask myself, am I content in the detours of life? Uh, that's something I think we need to, uh, that can challenge us. Um, Moses was content with this detour and uh, maybe was too content with it. God had more for him to do than just simply uh, take care of the sheep on the backside of the Sinai Desert as we uh, notice here. There's, an, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 11 that I think tells us something more uh, about Moses than his, uh, I mentioned his his character of willingness to draw the water for the sheep and to rise to the need of the occasion. And that's that's certainly commendable. But there's something else that stands out in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse, uh, verses 24 through 27 that I think is is underlying all of that. And it's not new to you, I'm sure. It says, By faith Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not for fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And it continues on there talking about Moses. But uh, the, the thing that I, I, I get from those verses is the fact that Moses had an eternal perspective. And that's a, that's a challenge to me to realize that in the detours of life, as I continue on my journey, my walk with the Lord, as I continue on, uh, and encounter detours. I don't know how many more detours I will encounter. I said I'm on a 44-year detour here in Minnesota. I, I, I don't know if I'll see more detours or not. But the eternal perspective is, I think, the thing that's going to uh, help us to keep the end goal in mind. 
you know, the detours are secondary, but you know, in, in our detours, we never want to lose sight of, of our end goal. And that's, of course, eternity with our Lord in, Jesus, in heaven. So that eternal perspective is something that stood, stood out to me, uh, very powerful, uh, in Moses sustaining him in his walk, in his journey with the Lord. Backing up to Exodus chapter 3, and uh, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, detour to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside, notice, I will now turn aside, take that detour, and See this great side why the bush is not burned. I'd like to challenge myself this morning and you this morning. Look for God on the detour. Look for God in the detours of life. As Moses was here very keenly looking. Someone, someone has suggested we shouldn't think of detours as detours, especially in our walk with the Lord. We should think of them as God tours. Okay, God has designed them. God has planned them. Exactly as God did here with Moses. Uh, make your detours God tours. Meet with him. Listen to him. Talk to him. Look for his hand in the detour events. Don't focus on the detour. Focus rather on what God wants to accomplish through it. And then chapter 4, as we look at Exodus, Father, As God seemingly had to work quite a while on Moses to convince him that he was the person that he wanted to use. Sometimes we're reluctant. And uh, chapter 4 is where, where God had to, had to forcefully almost convince Moses that you are the man I want. You're the man that can deliver my people from Egypt. And uh, the challenge I take from, I'm not going to read entire, the entire chapter 4 for lack of time, but you know there's, there's so much in chapter 4 how that God showed himself so powerfully to Moses, you know, through the uh, uh, rod and through the, his hand. And, uh, you know, the challenge I want to leave with you from chapter 4 is dare to make yourself available to God as, as Moses did. Say, God, here am I. And uh, Moses was so reluctant. He had, he had, how many excuses did, I should have counted up, how many excuses Moses offered to God and God said, that doesn't mean anything. To me, that doesn't mean anything. I can take it and make it something. And, uh, you know, that's me. I tend to make excuses, but God doesn't like excuses. God wants availability. God wants people that are willing. Well, the third example I want to look at this morning is the Apostle Paul. Paul is, is a man who had some detours. He thought he had things figured out and right. Uh, you could call it the Damascus Road detour, perhaps. I want to turn to Galatians, back to the New Testament for this example, of course, in Galatians chapter 1. I want to read just a few verses that I think are very concise in, in describing what took place in the life of the Apostle Paul. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. So Paul's going back and saying, okay, God had a, had a definite plan and purpose in mind for my life. He brought me here for the timing. And uh, 
He called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen immediately. Among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. So it seems like there's quite a few quite a few detours taking place there in the Apostle Paul's life as he was detoured on the Damascus road. Then, verse 18, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the region of Syria and Sicilia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preached the faith which once he destroyed and they glorified God in me. So quite a powerful detour here in the Apostle Paul's life. He was, of course, struck down by that bright light, God, Christ coming to him. And uh, I am challenged as Paul identifies it. He said it's by the grace of God. And that's all any of us can say. It's only by the grace of God that we are in this journey. And uh, Paul recognized that. And I, I think of... As I read through that passage of scripture, I had to think of, of probably all the inner turmoil that was taking place in Paul's heart and life. You know, here he is. He thought he had it all figured out. He had, you know, everything just right. And then God comes along and says, you know, Paul, that is not the way I, that's not the way it is. Well, you gotta change your thinking. How many of us could change our thinking that fast? And, uh, so my heart goes out to the Apostle Paul, but he says it's the grace of God, and that of course is, is the only way that it can be accomplished. A detour of grace will glorify God. And we, verse 20. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Uh, Paul is saying, you know, I'm wondering, you know, how many feelings Paul struggled with in writing this. Uh, I mean, how many of us would be willing to, uh, you know, to have had that experience and then to execute us in times past that now preaches the faith which once he destroyed. Detours. Allow yourself to be changed. Will you allow your detours on your journey of life to change you for the glory of God into a vessel of honor and service for Him? Well, my fourth point, talking about more personal experiences, our experiences with detours, and all of you are probably processing things and talking about things that happen in your personal life, detours, things you would not have probably uh, structured, okay, I'm going to be here, I'm going to be here. You know, there, it just it seems like fate, but it's not fate. It's God that has brought those things into your experience. A couple of things here. Recognize that, that detours are a necessary part of the journey. Um, someone has a quote, take these roads of hazard, take those roads of hazards, the potholes, the ruts, the detours, and all the rest as evidence that you are on the right road. I like that. Repeat it. Take these roads of hazards, the potholes. I know this isn't probably good for truckers, but anyway. Take those roads of hazards, the potholes, the ruts, the detours, and all the rest, as evidence that you were on the right road. It's when you find yourself on that big and broad and easy road that you really ought to be worried. And that's scripture, really, if you want to answer, if you want to be honest about that. The Broadway versus the narrow way. Ask God to show you and to teach you the way and the lessons 
Be a student. Be willing to leave and leave that broad and easy way and experience what God wants you to learn. I personally had just a little detour in my life. Actually, just an afternoon, probably six hours maybe, involving jury duty selection. My uh, my first thoughts were we should probably try and fix this, and Jesse shared this experience with me. Um, my first thoughts, and as I thought about it, we should try and fix this. You know, here we are congesting the jury selection process because we don't want to be a part of it anyway. And, uh, you know, so we, we were there in the courthouse. We had... Before that, we had submitted our letter of, of uh, explanation, I guess, like we typically do, and they replied back, said, we, we reviewed your letter of uh, request for exemption and have denied it. And uh, so they said, you shall appear at the courthouse on next day, 12.30 p.m. on July the whatever, 11th, maybe it was. And so that's, that's what we did. And uh, they scanned us in through the scanning and down the basement and showed us a video to prep us for the process. And after that, they numbered us out. And I'm not sure. It would be interesting to know how they numbered us. I don't know how they decided what number we got. But I uh, I got in the jury seat selection, you know, where the seats were for the jury to sit in. And then there was an overflow crowd. I think Jesse was over in that other section. And I, they dismissed the back row almost immediately. I'm not sure why. If they had some things that were maybe questionable, I, I don't know. But uh, so then the process begins, and uh, the uh, the judge she did some explanation, and the lawyers they started asking questions, and you know, whatever. But you know, I was a detour. I, I really didn't want to be there. I'd rather not been there. But and like I said, my thought was that. Uh, you know, we, we need to do something to not have to go through this. But, you know, after the process was all done, I thought, you know, it was kind of good for me. I don't know how Jesse feels about it, but I thought it was actually kind of good for me. I had my brotherhood agreement in my back pocket with, uh, you know, explained our our, our uh, position in relation to civil and uh, involvement and governments, and I had penciled some verses in there, you know, because uh, I didn't trust my memory to recite them per se, but uh, I know the scripture says we shouldn't think, pre-think what we're going to say, but uh, I think I would have known them by memory or largely, but uh, in the, anyway, in the long story short, we did get excused, I think the last round of excusals, I believe it was, but uh, so, you know, detours, uh, and that was my, my take home from it. I said, you know, maybe it do all of us good to have to sit there and go through that. Uh, it, it's At least it was good for me. Now, maybe Maybe some of you have a different opinion on it. I don't know. The thing I felt bad about it was I, I felt like we're gumming up their system. Okay, so there's, you know, a couple of us that, you know, we just couldn't. The thing that that I was listening to the judge, she said, well, in the jury here, there's a criminal cases and civil cases, and this was a criminal case. He said, you're going to have to, the jury is going to have to have a unanimous agreement. Well, I was ready to, to let her know that that's not going to work for me because I'm not going to give an opinion on that. Uh, so that would have, I think she probably would excuse me on that, but we never got to that point. I had requested a little time with the judge. Uh, I talked to one of the juror um, attendants and explained to her, and I said, what should I do? And I told her our position, and she said, well, maybe you want to meet with the judge, or you want to do it right here. I said, I don't mind doing it in the courtroom here either if you want. But she, and then they had another, it was, she was meeting with another woman who had some other issues at my time with her. I never was able to meet with her personally. But uh, anyway, that was my one little detour. It was good for me. Uh, 
The, the thing I want to challenge is us don't lose sight of the destiny because of the, de- because of the detour. I mentioned that before. No, allow that to build your character. Allow that to build your relationship with the Lord, that detour. If God is with you and planned the detour, there's probably no better route, if you want to be honest about it. If God is with you and he has planned that detour, there's no better place to be. You know, life's detours, as I thought about it, you know, they consist of losses. They consist of pain, perhaps health setbacks, perhaps financial reverses, perhaps broken relationships, etc. You can think of all the things that could be viewed as detours in our journey on life. And like I said, many of us would not choose those detours, but they become a part of our our character-building process for the glory of God. And in closing, I want to read a short poem by Detour by Ruth Feldman. I took a long time getting here, much of it wasted on wrong turns, back roads, riddled by ruts. I had adventures I never would have known if I had proceeded as the crow flies. Superhighways are so sure of where they're going, and they arrive too soon. A straight line isn't always the shortest distance between two people. Sometimes I act as though I'm heading somewhere else, while imperceptibly I narrow the gap between you and me. I'm not sure I'll ever know the right way, but I don't mind getting lost now and then. Maps don't know everything.